With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Tractor Supply, where we give away more chicken coops and chicken-related prizes than anyone else on the planet. We are often imitated, but never duplicated. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to join us Monday through Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Blog Talk Radio. And we will return with more Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Tractor Supply right after this beginning short break. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you are passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Introducing the Chicken Fountain, a new way to water your flock. The Chicken Fountain will change your life and keep your chickens healthier by providing clean, fresh water every time. 
No more daily cleaning of dirty chicken waterers. This semi-sealed system keeps every drop of water fresh and clean. Proudly made in the USA, the Chicken Fountain will provide your flock with fresh, clean water for years to come. To order your Chicken Fountain, visit chickenfountain.com. That's chickenfountain.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. We have a great show lined up for you today. It is Monday, which means we are very fortunate and honored to have the Chicken Doctor, Peter Brown here, founder of First State Vet Supply. We're talking about LT today. There uh, appears to be uh, somewhat of a uh, outbreak, if you would, up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. And so it is a very timely topic, and uh, um, we'll be discussing that here in just a few minutes as the uh, chicken chat room slowly but surely fills up. I want to send a shout-out to everybody in the chicken chat room, everybody else that's listening live that can't access the chicken chat room for whatever reason. Maybe your workplace doesn't allow it. All the over-the-road truck drivers, we are on the road again. Yes, we are. And uh, I passed many of y'all. Y'all passed <laughs> many of passed me uh, today on our first stop, but we're on the road again, so... Uh, over the road truck drivers, we occasionally hear from them. They pick up the uh, the show on iTunes, uh, .com, podcast.com, zoom.com, or, or other different websites to carry our show. And uh, maybe soon, even iHeartRadio and uh, Pandora. So that's uh, some, some information uh, that we're working on to get the show uh, out there even more. But, um, and of course, all the homeschoolers, school is back in sessions. Thank you for implementing the show into your daily curriculum. And uh, thank you, uh, all the feed and seed stores around the country that have streamed this radio show live every day to your customers. We thank you for doing so. Yes, the 2014 Fall Chicken Whisperer Tour, sponsored by Tractor Supply Company, is underway. We left the homestead this morning at 10 a.m., and uh, we did a little farewell picture in front of our neighbor's house. We pulled up. They were outside. We said, hey, farewell picture. 
So we did that and then hit the road and arrived safely to our first destination. It was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive uh, here in uh, the Atlanta metro area. We're actually at Stone Mountain Park. We really enjoy this place. Uh, we're here quite a bit throughout the year, either coming uh, and going to somewhere or coming home from somewhere. We always try to make a stop here uh, at Stone Mountain Park. It's a really nice place. they got a beautiful campground and lots of stuff to do for the kiddos. So um, we are here for that. Uh, tomorrow, uh, the reason why I'm here is we have that national webinar with the CDC and the USDA at 2 p.m., uh, Eastern Time, so there will be no podcast tomorrow because we'll be broadcasting live. Hopefully, instead of the podcast, you'll tune in to the national webinar, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about uh, um, uh, parasites and, and warming and lighting and preparing for winter, and, and again, uh, with the CDC and USDA, uh, keeping you and your flock safe from uh, diseases and, and, and uh, how to do that. So that'll be tomorrow at 2 p.m. After the show today, I will be posting that link, how you can register for free for that webinar, and uh, space is limited, uh, and I'm not sure if it ends today or if you can actually register in the morning up to the time we start that webinar at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but I will be posting it on my Facebook page. If you don't want to wait, you can go to my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Chicken Whisperer, and scroll down and find uh, that link where you can uh, register for the webinar tomorrow, absolutely free educational webinar, so got to love it. Um, trying to think of anything else that's in the news um, recently other than being on the road. We've got stops from Virginia all the way up to Maine. So uh, I know the schedule is, uh, is posted on our Facebook. On the way here, my lovely wife, Jen, was actually working on a uh, file, PDF. I think it will probably end up being like a uh, uh, JPEG. We'll put it in a JPEG format so we can post it on Facebook. Uh, and it will be on our, our uh, website, too, chickenwhisperer.com. All the stops, all the times, all the locations, which will be, of course, tractor supply stores along the tour. And uh, each event's about two hours long. It's about an hour and a half uh, getting started with Backyard Poultry Workshop and then uh, a book signing, pictures, autographs, fun things like that. I have plenty of magazines to go around and plenty of prizes um, at each stop to give away as well. So I'm looking forward to it to know all of it will be wrapped up probably in about six weeks. So uh, looking forward to a safe tour. We ask that you please uh, keep me and my family uh, in your prayers for safe travels and uh, that we don't run into any hiccups along the way, uh, both mechanical, physical, and I guess the whole nine yards. So uh, we appreciate that, whether uh, it be prayers or good vibes or uplifting thoughts or whatever you do. Uh, we would appreciate it. Absolutely, we would. So uh, and thank you very much for tuning in today. All right, I'm going to go over here to the phone lines. We've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Supply, joining us. Let's give him a big chicken whisperer. Welcome, why don't we? Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I posted, I think, yesterday that we were all excited for one reason or the other to uh, head north, and I think one of my reasons was for... Cooler temperatures. <laughs> Cooler temperatures and uh, no gnats. Of course, many people know our homestead is below the gnat line, if you know anything about that. And so uh, getting ready, spend a lot of time outside, getting the RV and the truck and everything else ready. We are below the gnat line. It is mid-August, so it is hot, 96 degrees a couple of days this week. And the gnats that fly in your nose and your mouth and in your ears and, and all around your head and so I'm glad that now, at least in Atlanta, be above the gnat line, but it's still, and it's not quite as hot, but um, 
I'll be ready for. I noticed in Bangor, Maine last night it was like 56 or 58 degrees. So uh, that's that's uh, just right for me. I'm looking forward to it. And Jen says, "Ooh, that's that's cold." I said, "No, that's refreshing." <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, she called cold. Yeah, <laughs> she calls cold, and I call it refreshing. So we're looking forward to it. So. Well, well, here um, it's a nice nice day today, actually. It's, uh, it's sunny, and uh, for the most part, about 80 degrees out, and uh, overnight temp is supposed to be about uh, uh, 68. So uh, yeah, that'll be, be comfortable in your head. And that'll be nice, open there. open window sleeping right there, yeah. Yeah, the whole week uh, the temperature is supposed to be middle middle to lower 80s, so uh, and the temperature overnight temp's in the, in the middle 60s, so it's not shouldn't be too bad. You know, for the next week up this way, um, yep. you know, thunderstorms, all that kind of garbage that we get this time of year. It's just the way it is, you know. Yeah, we're going to be looking at that. We'll be dodging some of those, I'm sure, leaving early or leaving late or, you know, trying to squeak through to the cells that are coming across the highway. We've done that before and, you know, figuring out how fast it's going and where it's going. And I said, well, if we leave now, I think we can split that storm between right through that little window we have. <laughs> We've done that before. It's so funny. Like I think if we leave now or leave leave at one thirty, uh, as soon as that one, we'll, we'll be coming right up the highway. As that one goes over, and the other one will be right behind us. So it's uh, yep. it's <laughs> in this last spring when we were going through Tornado Alley in Kansas and Oklahoma. Oh, we let me tell you, it was um, we did a lot of that. So hopefully this year it won't. Yeah, those will pop up thunderstorms and whatnot up the East Coast. Yeah, we're used to that here too. So. Yeah, be a skirt around, of course, I'm sure. So, but um, so LP is today's topic, and uh, looking forward to it. You said there's a little bit of uh, going on up in the Pacific North uh, uh, Northwest, and so mm-hmm. got lots of calls from it, lots of orders uh, specifically treating for that. So, you thought we'd touch on that a little bit today, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, uh, most backyard small flock holders, uh, you know. Uh, will never see it unless they bring in birds from somebody uh, who is vaccinated with one of the uh, chick embryo or what we call the hot strain of the vaccine, uh, or <clears throat> those folks that go to on the show circuit and uh, have vac- birds that are not vaccinated and then they're cooped in or close to or, or, or bring home birds from that show uh, that were vaccinated with the, uh, the chick embryo, which is a hot strain of the uh, laryngotracheitis uh, vaccine. Uh, everybody calls it LT for short, laryngotracheitis, hard for a lot of folks to say. Um, it's easy for me. I've been yapping it for many years, so it's no big deal. Huh. But um, it is uh, it is a virus. It's uh, very easily spread. Um, the, the problem that you uh, would have in trying to decide whether or not you have LT or not, um, we try to look at uh, how, how this spreads, and then we'll also look at... Uh, um, and how the bird starts to present itself. So, uh, because one of the other viruses that is um, going to give you some of the same type of symptoms, not all of them, but some of them, uh, would be infectious bronchitis. Um, infectious bronchitis doesn't seem to be uh, near as big a problem either in the fancy or in the backyard uh, community, uh, and I recommend that people not vaccinate for uh, for uh, the infectious bronchitis unless they're actually faced uh, with a problem or live in an area where it is a problem uh, or that kind of thing, or they, they're in a show gr- uh, group or club <clears throat> where a lot of people vaccinate for it. Uh, the problem with the uh, 
uh, infectious bronchitis viruses is that uh, they have a tendency to recycle themselves through a flock, um, and uh, they have a tendency to be more of a problem sometimes uh, than the remedy that they're intended to be. Um, the commercial poultry industry uh, is a heavy users of them because they're, they, they don't have a choice for the most part, uh, but they use them very selectively now and, and uh, are, are looking at some of these uh, uh, recombinant vaccines, and they're also looking at vaccination at what we call in ovo, which is done in the egg. They're doing the same thing for LT. They're looking at uh, uh, a lot of them now being done in the egg uh, prior to uh, hatching. So. Uh, and, you know, the jury's still out on all of that stuff as to how well it's worked. I've seen uh, areas where it seems to be working well, others not so much. Uh, and <clears throat> it all is going to depend on how well that embryo is going to respond and build antibodies prior to being hatched and exposed uh, in, the, in the chicken coops. But uh, that's uh, an interesting subject all in itself. So the LT virus, one of the things you're going to look for with it uh, is that the rate of spread spreads very quickly um, from bird to bird. Uh, this virus um, uh, settles down or colonizes, uh, if you will, which is just a fancy word for where it lives and where it grows, uh, and that's in the lining of the trachea. The trachea, you want to call it the bird's uh, windpipe. Some people call it the bird's throat. It uh, doesn't matter to me what you call it, as long as you understand where it resides. That's where its home is. Um, that area uh, <clears throat> where it sets up shop in the trachea, uh, obviously it's very warm, very moist, Conditions are, are, are perfect uh, for this type of a, uh, of a virus to, uh, uh, to invade that area, uh, infect that tissue, and uh, uh, set up shop and start reproducing itself and spread all over the place. Um, so <clears throat> what this does is it, it degrades, if you will, uh, breaks down the, the tissue uh, or the lining of the trachea, uh, and causes it to bleed. Okay. Um, it depends on <clears throat> how the bird was infected, uh, and it depends on how virulent the strain of LT is that the bird was infected with as to whether or not you'll actually see uh, bleeding uh, from the mouth. Uh, sometimes you'll see it in the water when a bird is taking a drink. It'll leave a, a bloody slime behind. Um, I have not seen in recent modern times, uh, and this probably has to do with the fact that uh, a lot of the commercial birds are vaccinated these days, especially in the egg-laying community. I don't believe I know of anybody in the egg-laying community that, uh, that uh, doesn't vaccinate for this particular uh, virus. Uh, broilers vaccinate for it on an as-needed basis, uh, and that would be if there's an outbreak somewhere, they'll, they'll uh, uh, cordon off that whole area and not move anything in or out that means no... No servicemen going farm to farm. Uh, feed trucks have to be all disinfected after each farm that they visit and so on. Um, this virus is very prolific, easy to spread, so that's why they, they have to take those kinds of precautions. Now, you might say, well, wouldn't they be smarter to go ahead and vaccinate all the birds? Um, on one hand, it seems very practical. On the other hand, it's not practical. It's not cost-effective uh, in a number of ways. Uh, you'd have to send crews around to each farm. Um, I believe here where I live there are at least 2,500 plus chicken houses. So it's a lot of chicken houses to visit. That means a lot of crews. They're not all owned by the same companies um, and, and so on. <clears throat> and uh, so there's the cost of that. There's the cost of the vaccine. And the other thing that, uh, <clears throat> that uh, most vaccines do is that they will slow down the growth of the birds. And broiler uh, uh, birds are all about growth and putting on, uh, uh, you know, 
as much weight as they can for the amount of feed that they're eating. So that's generally how it's handled in those particular uh, uh, groups. And um, uh, because of the, the way that it's been handled uh, over the years uh, in the commercial sector, uh, it is not as big a problem, at least in this country. Uh, it is a problem in other countries, but uh, more so. Um, but uh, they continue to work on it and continue to come up with better methods of vaccination um, and, um, and that kind of thing. So it's, it seems to uh, uh, be working to, to some degree. Okay. Um, so we don't see the, the normal blood slinging that we used to see years ago. Uh, it was not uh, uncommon uh, 25, 30 years ago uh, or less uh, to go into a chicken house in the morning and just see the blood everywhere on the feeders, the waters, the walls, the litter uh, from birds that were uh, slinging the blood out of their mouth. Now, the reason they're doing this, you have to understand that anything that enters the trachea uh, there's no musculature, there's no diaphragm that the bird has to get anything out of that trachea. So the only way they have to get it out is to try to to, uh, to shake their head and, and sling their head side to side uh, because this, this uh, degeneration of the lining of the trachea um, uh, is bleeding at the same time. So um, looking at the bird holding its head up, the blood's going to run down um, the, the trachea itself and then get into the... Uh, uh, the bronchi and the mesobronchi, uh, which are little tubes that lead to the lungs and plug it up, and it doesn't take very long before the bird uh, starts gasping for air, turns blue, and dies. So um, that's the reason why the, uh, we were seeing so much blood at that point in time. So you may not see that. <clears throat> Most people do not. Most of the bir birds that I uh, uh, have uh, either examined personally or come in contact with via the phone or the Internet, uh, the birds have uh, very much symptoms of, of uh, uh, infectious bronchitis, uh, conjunctivitis in the eye, which is a swelling of the tissues around the uh, eye itself, um, weepy eyes, um, rattling, coughing, choking, sneezing, uh, slinging the head around uh, from side to side. Um, they also have a particular posture that you don't generally see with the infectious bronchitis, <clears throat> and that is the bird has a tendency to sit back on its tail and stretch its neck out in front of it, okay? Not necessarily on the ground, uh, but it, it will stretch its neck out, trying to breathe, trying to clear that uh, trachea, trying to clear that airway, and uh, having you know a lot of difficulty doing so. Uh, and before I, <clears throat> I said it depends, uh, the severity of this can depend on how the bird was infected. That would mean whether this was taken in through the nostril, of the original virus, uh, whether that virus was taken in through the eye, or whether that virus was taken in through the trachea itself. The, we tend to have birds show more severe symptoms and possibly some bleeding uh, if the virus was taken in through the trachea itself because it's right there where it needs to be. It doesn't have to uh, migrate away from some other area and get to the trachea to set up shop. So it's right there, and it does its uh, the damage the, the quickest. <clears throat> Normally, uh, we look at an incubation time of anywhere from 5 to 10 days after exposure. Um, and... Um, when we look at this type of a, of a uh, incubation time, we're talking about birds that were probably not uh, inoculated through the trachea itself. The incubation time uh, for birds who were uh, uh, sucked this virus in through the, the trachea itself directly uh, seems to be lesser uh, time, uh, usually running anywhere from two to four, possibly five days, and then you'll start to see those, those symptoms. 
And one of the things that these birds have a tendency to do uh, because of, of where this uh, virus is and the breakdown of the tissue in that trachea, uh, you will see birds that make a cawing sound. It, you'll know it when you hear it, uh, but it's a very distinct cawing sound. So by putting the, the symptomology together, um, examining where you've been, new birds that might have been added to the flock, um, maybe you vaccinated with a chick embryo vaccine and now you're seeing a severe reaction, uh, maybe you were at your friend's house helping uh, vaccinate for laryngotracheitis and uh, he, used a, he or she used a, a chick embryo uh, type vaccine and you brought it home that way. Um, maybe you were to a show and you brought it home that way. So you need to examine all of these things and then look at the, the spread from the time you first noticed it till other birds start to get sick and look at that, that time frame, uh, the conjunctivitis in the eye, uh, the sneezing, the coughing, the sitting back on the tail, uh, the, uh, uh, the cawing sound, all of this uh, possible blood from the trachea, the mouth uh, in the waters or on the feed or things of that nature uh, will all lead to, to make your own uh, definitive diagnosis uh, based on what you see. Uh, certainly, you could take the birds to your uh, local laboratory and uh, uh, have them do a necropsy. Um, the issue that might be uh, experienced there would be the fact that um, in some states this is a, uh, a test and slaughter type disease or at least a test and quarantine uh, type of a situation. And I am under the impression now, and I don't know this directly because I've not talked to people uh, from these two uh, couple of states, um, departments of agriculture, but it, these two, two states were Texas and North Carolina. And um, I was recently told that um, there was an issue with uh, an LT outbreak in a flock in North Carolina and that the uh, state veterinarian had offered uh, vaccination with a tissue culture, which is the milder, uh, much milder of the two vaccines, uh, and quarantine for 30 days, and that's a first because uh, they normally don't do that. Uh, Texas, uh, I understand, a year or so ago uh, eased up on theirs. Uh, I think now they quarantine you and, and, uh, for 30 days or so, and then you're, you're, uh, uh, you're able to uh, move the birds around. Uh, I don't know the Texas one to be uh, set in stone, but... Um, it is something to think about. Uh, if you uh, were to um, uh, encounter this particular uh, uh, disease problem, um, you know it would be wise to to start some quarantine stuff on your own farm. But it's very very difficult. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, there was an outbreak in Germany, and um, they uh, thought they had it under control, and and there was one outbreak after another, and. Uh, they had pulled all their service people off the road. Nobody was going in and out of the farms, and uh, they were still having outbreaks. And they narrowed it down to the fact that the feed trucks were going from one farm to another, and uh, there was no disinfection in between. Once they uh, took that biosecurity measure and washed down the feed trucks and everything from <clears throat> from one farm to another, uh, they were able to gain the upper hand and, and gain control. So it is something that you need to be aware of, um, something that we have talked about on this show before. Uh, it's nothing new. It's been around for a, a very long time, uh, the, and as have the uh, the vaccines as a uh, as a potential remedy and a methodology to protect birds uh, from uh, the disease. Uh, the the biggest problem with the chick embryo vaccine is that it spreads very readily bird to bird. 
um, and makes the birds really carriers from that standpoint. The tissue culture vaccine uh, has been around for many, many years. Uh, it is a very mild vaccine, uh, does not spread bird to bird, and uh, according to the manufacturer, does not make the birds carriers. Um, so there, there aren't many options um, for this particular uh, disease. And, um, you know, the birds can start out uh, with just a what <coughs> people might call a, a cold. Um, and I'm here to tell you that there's no such thing in chickens as a cold. It's caused by something. It's either bacterial or it's uh, uh, fungal or, or, or a virus or something, but it's not, a, it's not what, like humans who get a, a common cold. Uh, they just don't have that. So um, you would see birds maybe in the beginning that just look unthrifty and um, before they even start to show you a, uh, uh, a snotty nose or a uh, uh, swollen eyes, uh, weepy eyes, uh, watery eyes. So they get that glazed look in their eyes. That it's, like, it's almost like a, you poked yourself in the eye with your finger that's what their eye starts to look like and starts to, to water. Uh, if it starts to itch, your bird will, uh, it might be dirty around the eye a little bit from the bird picking its foot up and scratching it. Um, all of these things uh, need to be looked at and, and an evaluation made. Um, some birds may have to be euthanized uh, almost immediately, too far gone to bother to, uh, to, uh, to make any attempt to try to, to, to save them. Um, mortality can run all over the place. Um, anywhere from 10 to 20 percent in um, in the more mild form, okay, uh, the, where the bird has uh, taken the virus in through the nostril or the eye, versus the uh, what we would call the epidemic type uh, epidemic form, uh, which would be directly into the trachea. Um, you could be looking at 70 percent mortality there. Um, could go even higher. Depends on how quickly you, you catch it and uh, whether or not you're able to stop it by coming back in then and vaccinating. Uh, the only way to stop it is, is just like you would treat viruses basically in, in humans, uh, is supportive therapy. Uh, birds are not going to want to eat, and they'll barely want to drink. Uh, and the quicker you can get them drinking and keep them hydrated and getting them back on feed uh, is going to be an advantage to you. Uh, however, method there's no tried and true method for, for getting them back on feed other than uh, stopping the spread of the virus and uh, euthanizing the birds that are really bad off that are just not going to recover. And then, uh, as a general rule, we vaccinate everybody, even birds showing the symptoms. You start at one end, work to the other end, get them all done, and then just uh, um, see where the mortality goes from there. You still may <clears throat> continue to lose some for a few days, but as the vaccine starts to take hold, uh, you'll start to see that uh, the mortality will stop the uh, symptoms that we see, the conjunctivitis, the, the snicking, the coughing, choking, sneezing, uh, head slinging, all of those things will start to cease slowly uh, but surely. And vaccination is the only uh, methodology other than putting an entire flock down, which most people are not willing uh, to do uh, and is totally unnecessary for this particular uh, uh, disease. Um, a form of, of uh, wet pox could start to give you some of these symptoms as well in the beginning, so you'd have to watch out for that. Uh, but that uh, you would know right off the bat, though, as soon as the pox lesions really start to develop, 
uh, you'll be able to make that uh, <coughs> differentiation between those two. Um, the birds that recover from a uh, natural outbreak um, will remain uh, carriers for a period of time uh, after the infection uh, uh, has, uh, has gone away. Um, and uh, generally, that's considered about 30 days or so. Um, there is uh, evidence to show that the virus, uh, like it does in humans, uh, not this particular virus, but other viruses, uh, like the uh, uh, chickenpox virus in humans, settle down in the nerve ganglia, which are the bundles of nerves uh, in, the, in the body. And um, there is always the possibility that these viruses can, can then come back up and rear their ugly head and uh, cause further problems. So it's, it's always one of those, those deals uh, with, with this uh, particular situation with this virus. Like I said before, very prolific, spreads very easily, uh, very quickly. Um, and uh, if the birds are, are in egg production, uh, you will see uh, egg production uh, more than likely come to a screeching halt. And uh, so all of those parameters, the, uh, the rattling, the coughing, uh, there uh, may be even a uh, uh, persistent nasal, nasal discharge, persistent meaning nonstop. And uh, the problem with that, again, is you go back, you start looking, uh, CRD can cause the snotty nose, uh, coryza can cause it, uh, infectious bronchitis can cause it. Uh, you may see some of it with some pox momentarily as, as it, that, that virus takes uh, hold of the bird. So there's a whole lot of things to think about. But generally, at the end of the day, um, you know, you should be able to, uh, uh, you know, to decide for yourself or, you know, take the birds to the laboratory for a uh, definitive diagnosis. Uh, sometimes you don't even have to take the birds. Uh, you can do a uh, swab of the uh, trachea or the mouth and uh, bring that swab to the laboratory. Uh, you have to get a particular swab uh, and a container from the laboratory in order to do that. And the, the test that they'll run is uh, called a PCR test. It's a polymerase chain reaction test, and that's uh, basically what that test does is it, uh, it looks for uh, the DNA fingerprint of the, uh, uh, of the uh, virus. And uh, the, um, the amount of uh, the way to read that test, a lot of people get these things back and will send me the, uh, the stuff because they don't understand it, um, even though it may be positive for uh, uh, in this case, uh, LT or laryngotracheitis, um, you would want to look at the, the cycle count. Okay, in other words, how many cycles did this PCR unit have to uh, make before it actually found enough of the virus to, to read? And the generally speaking, uh, the the higher the number, uh, the uh, the less virus it was really. In other words, had to really work hard to find it. The lower the number means it was right there, very easy to find and in larger quantities. So um, that's that's part of of, uh, of, of that uh, particular uh, type of test. Uh, again, uh, most people would end up taking these birds to the uh, to the laboratory. Uh, the vaccine's readily available. Just came off back order. It's been on back order for three or four weeks, uh, but it is in stock here. Um, and um, has a very long expiration date on it. Even um, I've had people in the past who would uh, buy the vaccine, hold on to it in case there was a problem in their area. Uh, the vaccine that we just received here uh, last week uh, ex 
fires in uh, 2017. Um, this particular uh, virus, it's called ILT-VAX. It's made by um, uh, Intervet Shearing Plow, and it is a thousand-dose bottle, um, and it requires a booster dose um, about four to six weeks after the first initial dose. Uh, the recommended uh, timing on it is to vaccinate uh, birds six weeks of age and older. And uh, the vaccine runs about 25 bucks a bottle. Um, and you'll know when you when you go shopping for vaccines, uh, you'll know the difference between a, a, a chick embryo without even reading the description because you can't buy this vaccine for anywhere close to the small amount of money that the chick embryo vaccine cost. The uh, chick embryo vaccines uh, typically run anywhere from three to four dollars uh, per bottle, and they're generally marketed. <laughs> yeah, they're generally marketed for about ten. So when you when you're shopping and you look and you see a vaccine that says it's ten dollars, uh, unless they're willing to give it to you uh, at that price as a uh, 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 if they're trying to tell you that it is the ILT vaccine, there's, there's there's only a couple of things that can be going on. One, it's either short dated and they're trying to dump it, or uh, they're deliberately marketing it below their cost because you can't buy it for ten bucks either. So um, you know that's the uh, that's basically the story uh, on that. Um, I also get <clears throat> a lot of um, questions from people. Uh, you know, will this hurt my hatch? Uh, no, it won't. Um, you could take a flock who has been vaccinated, number one, or if, number two, a flock that has undergone a natural outbreak, um, and neither one would pass it on. The vaccine will not pass on, and the uh, if they were uh, the uh, Eggs came from a flock that was undergoing a, an actual outbreak, uh, and those particular embryos were infected. They just die in the shell. They never make it out. So it's, it's not going to be passed on through the egg. And that's a good thing. We don't need to perpetuate this thing out there. Uh, the, uh, but the thing to remember is the, uh, the chick embryo uh, is the one that you want to stay away from, uh, and that does create a carrier state. Uh, and in many cases uh, is responsible for the spread of this disease, not necessarily um, an actual field outbreak. Many cases of uh, the LT that have been out there and, and uh, uh, diagnosed have come from uh, this chick embryo vaccine being used by somebody who wasn't informed properly uh, you know, of what they should have used. And in some cases, the states have been uh, remiss in this as well. Uh, my own state here, they don't tell you that they want you to use the chicken, uh, the, uh, the uh, tissue culture. Um, you, they just leave it up to you. And uh, uh, North Carolina, you can't uh, vaccinate uh, in, with any vaccine for LT unless you get the permission of the state veterinarian. And there may be other states like that, but I know North Carolina is like that. Almost, almost everything North Carolina does want you to vaccinate for unless you have the uh, okay. Mycoplasma is the same one. And the reason they do it there uh, on the mycoplasma end of it is that they're trying to protect the turkey industry. Turkeys are extremely sensitive to mycoplasma, and they don't want an outbreak of, uh, of mycoplasma in their birds. And they won't even let you use an inactivated vaccine either. So you have to have the permission of the state veterinarian there in order to use uh, uh, that particular vaccine. And um, 
But it, this is this is worth talking about. Uh, we talk about a lot of different diseases multiple times through the course of a year as it becomes prudent to do so. Uh, I felt that it was with this particular one, uh, uh, there is, um, I wouldn't call it an active outbreak, but there, I know there is a case in North Carolina in a backyard flock, and that's being handled by the state vet there, and I think very prudently by them too if they're allowing this person to keep the birds and vaccinate um, that's a, that's a first for, from, from uh, what I've seen from that state in the past, so that, that's a good step forward. Um, there are some state vets uh, that I've talked to um, that believe that this forever quarantine thing is ridiculous, um, you know, because it's going to force people to go outside the box and do uh, things. Uh, um, you know, if you had a flock of birds that was uh, LT positive and you worked your way through it and uh, they said, okay, you're quarantined, and you can never sell any birds. Um, it's going to be a while before you know, you might you might hold that line for a while, but there'll come a day when you will move some of those birds. And uh, so some of the new thinking <clears throat> is that, uh, you know, to go in, quarantine, possibly vaccinate, and, uh, you know, put all the sick birds down and uh, keep the survivors and, and go on with it after after you've been quarantined for 30 days or so. So maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel you know, on that type of an approach. Um, personally, myself, um, I think that if the government and the commercial poultry industry is so worried about the backyard small flock holder um, that they should contribute uh, heavily to a fund that allows backyard folks to take birds and or swabs to the laboratory and have it done free uh, to see where we're at. And I think you'd find much more cooperation from somebody if you were to help guide them and say to them, you know, you probably shouldn't sell birds from this particular flock because they've got mycoplasma and you're just going to spread it around, you know. Um, you know, you might want to consider putting those birds down and, and maybe, you know, evaluating some birds coming in or go ahead and test them all and keep the, keep the ones that are negative and get rid of everybody else to do a cleanup and hope that we can keep it clean. But they don't do that. I mean, the first thing they usually come, I mean, I, I deal with it all the time, you know, the, the, you know. They tell you, oh, no, you got to put them down. That's old thinking, old old thoughts. They still persist around just like bad rumors. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see a change. Um, here, <coughs> excuse me, here what they do is you are allowed to, uh, as a small flock holder, they will come in and, and look at your flock and evaluate it. Uh, you can take birds to the laboratory. You can take swabs. Um, and that is free if you have a disease outbreak and, and whatever. Um, they will not do all your birds free, but they at least do the necropsy free. And um, I know here they're using the PCR test, and I know they're expensive because um, there was a time when I was being allowed to bring in stuff from out of state, swabs, and uh, they would run them here uh, in the laboratory, and uh, it was 75 bucks a whack. And... Uh, they sense not allowed that anymore. Anything coming in from out of state, even though they're getting paid for it, um, <clears throat> it's just their their decision. Now they've also made another decision here too, which which I found interesting, um, and I think it was because the commercial poultry industry was really abusing it, and that is that uh, they now have to pay for their necropsies and their blood work. So that's a first. I almost fell out of my chair when I was told that. But you know, they, I mean, you know, we're in a big poultry area here. I mean, this you know, there's at any given day here, there's over six million birds and chicken houses, you know, and then some. So, um, I mean, they're not going to do them all, but, uh, you know, they do a lot of testing. And 
because they're always monkeying around with different vaccines for uh, you know Newcastle bronchitis and the whole bit. And they you know they need to find out what's going on in the flock so they can make a decision of what they're going to do with it. But um, so this is basically the whole thing in a nutshell. It's not a very complicated. Um, um, uh, disease, but it is a devastating disease. Um, uh, to be totally honest with you, um, from my perspective, uh, I would rather have somebody tell me my flock was MG positive rather than tell me they had a break of LT. I, would, I think I can, <clears throat> I, I know how to clean the other one up. This one here is a real tough one. And, uh, you know, vaccination can be hard on the birds, uh, you know, the whole, the whole thing. These recombinant vaccines, these vector immune vaccines, um, jury's still out on them. Uh, I've, I've read pros and cons both ways, and these are uh, genetically engineered uh, viruses where they've taken an extremely, and I say extremely, mild Falpox virus, and then they've taken a portion of the LT virus and inserted that into the Falpox vaccine. The portion of the LT that they've taken out of the LT virus in and of itself on its own is not capable of causing disease. But it's also in and of itself on its own not capable of, of producing uh, sufficient antibodies. So they've taken this piece of this virus, and that's why they call it recombinate, and put it into this mild falpox and allow you to then to vaccinate each bird uh, through the wing web stab method for falpox and an LT at the same time. Now, the, the object here is not necessarily uh, to protect the bird from falpox as much as it is to use the falpox stimulating the bird's immune system to pull the LT along. So that's where they, they, they get the antibody circulating through the falpox, alerting the immune system, and the immune system coming out and sampling that virus, which now contains part of the, uh, the LT virus that is not going to replicate itself. So there's no reaction in the bird, and the bird is not shedding that virus, but the longevity of it and whether or not you're able to come back in later and give a booster because the falpox is being used as that vector to boost that LT as to whether that will negate the, uh, the falpox the second time around, if I'm making any sense to you. So... Let's, yeah. let's go back and look at it. I get, do the, the Falpox LT today, and you get a nice response, and you get a protected bird. As that virus goes on and, and the immune system keeps building antibodies, there's going to come a period of time where the, unless the uh, uh, immune system is constantly seeing that virus, it's going to start to slow down building antibodies less and less and less, winding down that immune system. The question is, can the falpox be wound down enough so that the mild falpox that you would give this as a second dose will take hold? That's the question. And there are two strains of, uh, trains of thought right at the moment on it, uh, and I've not seen one saying 100% either way. So uh, it's still out there. Um, uh, I have helped a, a client use the, uh, they also make this in a, uh, a vector immune uh, Falpox MG vaccine, uh, where the MG part cannot reproduce itself uh, and infect the birds and spread it, and it works the same way. It's a Falpox-derived uh, product, and uh, I have helped a client uh, clean up a flock of both the LT and the 
and the uh, mycoplasma by doing so, but very costly, and even went into an egg dipping program for quite some time. Um, and when you go into an egg dipping program to eliminate the, uh, the mycoplasma, you go into a problem then of having uh, lowered hatches because those that are weak uh, are going to die off from just the egg dipping process in and of itself. So, um, and it's costly because uh, uh, the best product to use is genomycin, a uh, liquid, uh, an injectable sterile product, uh, and it's very expensive. So um, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a can of worms, but it is, it is out there, and um, there was quite a bit of discussion a few weeks back on one of the boards about it, and, and uh, I thought it would be good timing seeing as how they, there is a case down in, uh, in the Carolinas as well. And I'm sure there are other cases all over that we just don't hear about. But uh, it, it is a problem, and being armed with the information uh, that, that you need to make the right decisions uh, can save you a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. So. Yep. No, very, <laughs> really interesting information. I know that they can tell you listeners we're going to talk a little bit about um, uh, the possibility of sex and chicks and um, the temperature of the incubator and things like that, and we kind of chose not, not for that, but this is a, that was really very, very interesting, and uh, I'm going to go to commercial break, and I'm going to see if there's any questions, uh, okay. both for live listeners or for uh, in the chat room about today's topic, uh, and uh, we will do that. There'll be more uh, with Peter Brown, Ask the Chicken Doctor, right after this short break. Stay with us. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water, the Bright Tap Chicken Waterer. The Bright Tap Waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. Bright Tap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. You need an incubator, think Brensi, the incubation specialist. Brensi has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brensi.com. Brensi spelled... B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brincy.com or call 1-888-667-7009. 
enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency, technology you can trust. Pictures of chickens on aprons are common across America, but picture a chicken wearing an apron and you'll probably get a good chuckle. Laugh if you must, but nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster and may even provide protection from an unexpected hawk attack. Hen Savers come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and standard sized hens and roosters. Colors include camo, denim, navy, brown, khaki or black, and soon pink. Crazy K Farm is expanding its already colorful hen saver collection to include the color pink. A portion of their sales will be donated to organizations that fund breast cancer research and awareness. Order your hen saver aprons today at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. How would you like a punch in the beak? This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. All righty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. I want to remind everybody that tomorrow there will be no live podcast because there will be a live webinar going on and uh, <laughs> me and Jen were talking about on the way up here he says she was like do you have your uh, uh, self-contained breathing apparatus check do you have your uh, complete isolation uh, kit check do you have your <laughs> head over to CDC headquarters I'll be like I'll just be feet away from the Ebola people um, uh, the Ebola people. Anyway, um, which Emory University is right next door to the uh, to the CDC. But this is my second trip down there to CDC headquarters this year, and I must say it is a fascinating place and um, just very interesting. So I'll be heading down there uh, again tomorrow. Uh, webinars at two. I need to be there at one. Uh, they inspect the the car for bombs and all that kind of stuff. So I gotta allow time for security and and. Uh, uh, and then my truck is too big to park in the parking deck, so I have to go over and park outside outside of their employee daycare center, and then walk uh, walk down the walkway into the uh, visitor center where I'll check in again and uh, get a pass, and then uh, meet the folks that are uh, um, doing the webinar with me. So uh, that'll be tomorrow. So hopefully you can tune in again uh, after the show today. I'll be posting that. Uh, link again on our Facebook page where you can uh, register for free, and um, it should it should be worth your time. If you've had chickens for a long time, uh, it may be a good review, but if you're new to chicken keeping, then I guarantee you it'll be very interesting, and there'll be some good information for you, so um, no no worries there. Um, let me see if there's any, uh, uh, if you're out there listening live and have any questions for Peter, 347-637-3237. 
Again, that's 347-637-3237. And if you're in the chat room and have any questions for Peter about today's topic, uh, we've got a few minutes. Uh, we can uh, ask that. If not, there is, uh, there's no worries because uh, we will return uh, later this week. Now, again, as you know, just like with the last tour, um, I'm, I haven't looked at or, or correlated the, the times when we're going to be on the road, when we have an event, uh, if we're going to have internet uh, internet capabilities, whether it be wireless or wired at the campground, on the road, or, or any of that. So uh, at least for the next 30 days, um, I don't want to say it'll be hit or miss, because I'm hoping we'll be able to do more hit than miss, but I will keep everybody informed via Facebook uh, about uh, the live broadcasts and if, where, when, how, and maybe not, or not at all, and why, and that type of thing. But if you happen to tune in and there's just nothing and nobody and <laughs> nothing's going on, and you can't find anything, then uh, we're either on the road or we're not on the road, but we have no Internet connectivity, no how, no way, no nothing, whether it be the campground or via wireless or satellite or any of that kind of stuff, because we have several backups. But we'll just uh, have to see. So just be prepared for that over the next 30 days while we are on the road. And hopefully I'll be able to post several pictures along the way. And so you can enjoy the tour with us, uh, even if we may not be coming to your area. So happy to, uh, to love it. Christmas Chick wants to know, Peter, if you have already thought about it, what you'll be talking about next week. So let me get back over here. Yep, you are live, uh, Peter. And, uh, and if we don't know, uh, then we'll definitely post it on our Facebook page. I um, I definitely want to get to the point where we do the uh, topic we've been talking about on and off here a little bit about the uh, sex ratio of, of, of males to females, uh, possible manipulation of that, uh, uh, you know, what what's the driving forces be, behind it, uh, and, and so on. And... Um, the only problem I have with it at this point, and I discussed it with you, Andy, is, is the uh, it is a complicated subject, and I uh, am in the process of coming up with a methodology to present it so that everybody can uh, get a better grasp uh, of what it is. I'm no geneticist. I've said that on the show many times. If anybody goes back and listens to all the stuff when we talk about genetics, so it, for, even for me, it's it's like chewing dried oatmeal and. Uh, uh, so I, I I looked at my uh, notes that I have uh, on hand and deemed that uh, it was not material that was going to be in any way, shape, or form presentable. And I don't mind saying it. You know, it's 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 a it's a you know I look at it and I do understand it. That's not the issue that I'm trying to uh, to say here. It, it just can be difficult to try to get the point across. So. Um, I'm going to make for for myself in an effort to present it in a in a different way. I'm going to make a uh, uh, a little graph, so to speak, and, and uh, use a couple of symbols and stuff. And I'll have to do a little bit of explaining about different things to, so that that you can uh, get the gist of, of what I'm saying and then apply that definition of something. That's that's the hard part about genetics. Uh, uh, even when I went to college uh, and took. Uh, to college-level courses in poultry genetics. It was a matter of taking the book, reading the chapter, going through and saying, oh, there's a word I have no clue, and there's another one I have no clue, and <laughs> making my list of no-clue words and then going and looking up and finding out what they were and then come back and read the chapter and go, oh, yeah, that's what they're talking about. It's kind of like that same thing. So 
you know, I, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Doc. I was thinking about this uh, when, when you had first started talking about this, and okay. and um, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating topic and a fascinating subject, and to get a lot of interest and a lot of listens and and and, and whatnot, make people go hmm, and may even have people start start implementing or trying uh, to, to get a grasp of better about it, especially those that are interesting in hatching their own. But at the end of the day. At the end of the day, my what my mind tells me is this, trying to be logical about it. If it was even remotely possible, knowing how much money, time, and effort big wigs like Ideal Poultry, um, uh, you know, uh, McMurray Hatchery, uh, Tackle Hatchery, you know, places like that, you know, Ideal Hatching out six million chicks a year, um, or shipping six million. Which means they probably hatch out close to twelve million, being half of roosters that, that you know, you know, most people don't want. So, so if it was even the, the remotely possible, you know, it's going to think it's going to be a fascinating, interesting subject. I don't even know the outcome yet, or, or what it's going to be, how how you're going to deliver that. But if it was, what do you think those folks would be doing it if it was if it was even remotely possible to save money, time, effort? I mean, lives of male chicks, things like that. Uh, and that, that's my common sense factor when I heard that first start thinking about it and factoring it in my brain. I'm like, well, the bottom line at the end of the day, at the end of the show, that would probably be my wrap-up. If, if this was so, or if it was even remotely possible, yep. they would probably be doing it. Yeah, and, um, you know, I um, what brought this whole thing around, and one of, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to touch on this particular subject is that uh-huh. There is a, a uh, uh, school of thought amongst some people um, you know, that that this is the is the case, um, and uh, I had a uh, a client contact me. Um, he's a pretty reliable individual, so um, you know, educated person. Uh, not that that matters a whole lot, but I mean, what I mean by that, he keeps good records. Okay, and. Um, you know, he said that uh, in his hatching this this year, he's, he's gotten about 70% males, and you know, he that's what start that's what kicked this whole football off. <laughs> so we had a you know a, a huge discussion about it, and I said, well, you know, I, I remember this, I remember that, and you know, I said, you know, I I, I had a great discussion with with him, and I thought, well, you know, uh, this would be great to sit down and, and write my thoughts down and. Uh, um, you know, share it with everybody, and, and the tips fall where they may. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the truth is at the end of the day, but uh, and also tell you what things are being worked on uh, to make things uh, possibly down the road work in different fashions. I mean, I, I was listening to uh, Dr. Ben Carson talk the other day, uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people probably don't want to listen to this kind of stuff, but I do. That's what I do, and uh, I was listening to him talk. Uh, and he's a brilliant man, and he says that everything you ever learned from day one, from from birth, whatever it is, is locked in your brain. He said you may not be able to recall it, but he said if he could take a drill and drill into the side of your head and touch certain areas of your brain with these electrodes, he could make (laughs) you recall a book that you read 60 years ago but you have no recollection of it now. Fascinating stuff to me. 
maybe not to somebody else, but definitely fascinating to me. <laughs> man, that's amazing. It reminds me of, and this is probably, I, 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 I want to say it was about 10 years ago, probably not that long ago, may have been within about five years ago, uh, so I'm going to guess sometime between five and 10 years, if it was earlier than that, because we haven't owned a TV in at least several years, so you know, I saw it, I think, on TV, where they did brain surgery on a living and uh, an awake musician while he was playing, I don't know if he was playing the banjo, the guitar, or a violin, or something, uh, and they were trying to repair something in his brain, and uh, he would play notes while, it was, it was fascinating back then, and I'm thinking, great day, but, uh, you know, you think about it, it's a catch-22, you think about all this technology we have, Mm-hmm. And, and then you hear, and then, and then you lose a loved one over something that's like, wait a minute, we have all this technology, and, and we can't do anything about, you know, I, I can't even think off the top of my head right now. I'm so tired from the last three days of getting ready for this trip. But uh, it's it's just like, wait, wait, wait a minute, we can do this, but we can't can't do that. And and so, or this person died from that, but yet we can have open heart heart transplant and the guy's playing golf a week later. What's going on here? So uh, it is, it is absolutely fascinating. Well, I watched, uh, I watched another program. Um, I didn't get to see all of it. It'll probably come back on again, but I I watched the thing and they were talking about your brain and, and why you're, you, uh, uh, a lot of the things that you may see are not accurate. You think you saw, but you didn't. And um, he said, uh, this fellow, he said, it's because your brain is lazy. And uh, not just that individual, everybody. And um, um, they took this, uh, they took a survey of of people on the street uh, that they didn't know, weren't part of the thing other than walking down the street. And they had a, they had a, um, two pictures side by side. And one uh, was, um, Bill Clinton and the other one okay they just changed the hair on the <laughs> and as soon as you looked at it and I fell for it too just like everybody else I said Bill Clinton Al Gore and then I looked at the lips and I said well maybe a little bit of Donald Trump okay and all it, all it was and there were people that were there I mean young people older people didn't matter came by and there were only a couple of people that actually right off the bat after looking at it you know in, intensely were able to make the distinction between the two that they were they were one and the same all they did was change the hair was two pictures of Clinton one with Al Gore type hair and one with Clinton himself so <clears throat> the brain is lazy because as soon as you looked at it you said not the same I know that so it's your first thing that came to your, your, your lazy brain your brain didn't do any thinking very interesting that's that's uh, that, you know what that reminds me of. It reminds me of uh, uh, the, the many of days uh, over the last decade spending time in Jen's classroom at the kindergarten level learning the sight words. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not learning to read right away. You're learning sight words, and she had a whole wall listed of I forget how many uh, sight words like is and I mean, just you know, you're not reading them. You just mem- you mem- basically memorize them. You know them. They're called sight words. And so it's it's, you're, it's very interesting. That's the first thing that came into my mind. Teaching kindergartners yep. how to how to read. And um, yep, you know, and that's really probably cool. why, you know, eyewitnesses are not always accurate. 
<laughs> and they will tell you that. Yep. You know, they will tell you. Just yep. because they have an eyewitness doesn't mean that what they saw and what they say is actually what took place. I mean, it's helpful, but it's not the end all because they're not always accurate. And, <clears throat> and just ask any woman. Just ask any woman out there. We men, we have... <laughs> we have selective hearing to begin with. <laughs> now, now, Peter, you're telling us we have selective sight to go along with the selective hearing. So, uh, uh, <laughs> well, I find this stuff fascinating. Other people probably would, you know, not even listen to it. But uh, I can be I mesmerized by that because I, I'd like to know how things work and what the end result's going to be and, and, uh, and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, so it certainly is I call goal. it, ladies, cut us some slack, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we have already I'm had not... selective hearing. Now we've got selective of, of, of vision, and it's just, uh, it's it's not it's not working. So you know, I'm not even, you notice I didn't out. even go there, so <laughs> <laughs> I stayed completely away from that one. Oh, we see we got uh, uh, fishing trucks, and uh, uh, I'm not going to the next one, but anyway. <laughs> so it's <selective> thinking. <laughs> but you know, and and the funny part is they they can scientifically back it up. That's the thing. And I mean, it was fascinating <laughs> to me, and it was it was interesting to know that you know uh, that everything you've ever learned is still in your head. I mean, you may have forgotten it, and not able to recall it, but it's still there. And it, it, I, I guess this this is uh, looking at the possibility down the road. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of, of, of ways that, that people might be able to be helped uh, by stimulation of the brain, um, you know, that people that are incapacitated now um, and so on. So um, it, was, it was actually quite interesting to me anyway. So. Fascinating. But, uh, it's a great topic today, very timely. Um, and I'm sorry you're getting folks that are ordering all this stuff and are going through this uh, in that area, but... Um, we, we appreciate you coming on and sharing that information with us, even though it may may not be something uh, that, that uh, we, we would see in our, in our flock, but it's great to have the knowledge. And if someone does have it, they can listen to the archive um, and get more familiar with it. And those that are dealing with it then uh, have a better understanding about it and what they're dealing with. So we yeah. appreciate you coming on today, and we look forward to uh, having you come on um, next week as well, next Monday. And uh, be another episode of Ask Chicken Doctor with Peter Brown, and uh, maybe we'll get together that topic for the uh, temperature and the hatching of the eggs and determining the sex and things like that. Maybe we can get that done. If not next if week, if I get it to where I feel comfortable with it, presenting it yeah. to everybody, you know, it's uh, I'm looking at doing a line thing and putting the different things on a line, and that that takes time. And um, you know, I don't read, and if I read stuff to you, I'll tell you, but uh, it all comes off the top of my head, and and I, I just didn't think that doing it that way would uh, be beneficial to the to the listening audience, and I want them to get the maximum out of it. Um, otherwise, it isn't worth doing, as far as I'm concerned. So, oh, yeah, that's fine. And maybe the next week, uh, maybe it'll take a couple of weeks. Maybe next week, we're going to do the Q and A, and I have some time to post on there and get some, you know, get about a, a dozen to a dozen and a half questions, and we can do the Q and A and call in some stuff. Maybe next next Monday. So. But um, I'll talk to you after the or off air later this week to see what we got going on with my schedule. So thanks for coming on today. We do appreciate it, and yep. uh, we'll see you my next pleasure. Week. Okay, good travel, right, Andy. All right, thank you so much. That's uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. Hey, visit them online. You're online listening right now. 
go to the website right now. Type it in www.firststatevetsupply.com. They don't have it. You don't need it. Lots of great stuff. There's some things that are on sale as well. And while you're there, check out that emergency medicine kit to go along with your first aid kit for your chicken. So uh, that's going to wrap up another episode. We thank you very much for tuning in today. And I hope you can tune into the webinar tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, And I will be posting that link here on my Facebook page after the show. God bless everybody. get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details